For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's four up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front, wearing the captain's armband, is Carl. So, Carl, how have things been this past week? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Uh, we finally got to the end, didn't we? Didn't feel like we'd ever get there at one point. So, uh, yeah, we've done well, uh, and uh, looking forward to this one tonight, mate. Yes, mate. We've hit the finishing line, thankfully. James, are you just as thankful? Thank God it's over, mate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've been praying for the end since since it started, pretty much. But uh, I suppose we've got a few good memories to look back on. So let's dwell on them, shall we? Yes, we'll certainly get time to do that later in the show. Well, tonight there's not one but two special guests. First up and returning to the pod squad is Holly. Holly, I hope you've got enough snacks and soft drinks for our pod party. Oh, of course, I've got the party rings, you name it, I've got them all. Fantastic. And also making his return to the show is Mike. Mike, I imagine you've probably bought the hard booze after yesterday's performance. <laughs> um, I'm trying to lay off at the moment, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a season to forget for sure. Yes, I mean, I think there's somewhere in the middle between the two extremes, which we'll get to very, very soon, because I want to ask all that very question. So before I do, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect yesterday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app, where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. And also all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, we're on there. And if we're not on there, let us know. We'll get it on there for next season. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Cole, is an end of the season that sees us finish six. I guess if you were to label the campaign anywhere between success and shambles, it would probably be labelled as salvation and not a lot more. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, you know, when when we look at everything that's gone on this season, um, you know, the kind of performances, the letdowns we've had, you know, the managerial change. Um, I think it is one of them that you you know, at certain points throughout the season, we we were looking way off potentially six at certain points and especially with the last few weeks going you kind of thought more and more no you know it's gone um, and we're going to miss out so I think you know it was, it was a decent finish a reasonably good finish to the season um, I think there's still you know we still can see there's a lot and I, and I desperately mean a lot of work to be done um, and a lot of changes I think need to be made if we're to progress but I think overall, if you look, you could sit there and go, well, OK, it's nothing to, sh- you know, it's nothing to shout from the rooftops about, um, you know, that that's, you know, we, we shouldn't be going and celebrating anything and acting like we've achieved anything special because, we you know, we probably have underachieved given where we are as a club. But like I say, I'd sit in there and say, well, at least, you know, we've got European football. Jose's got his feet well under the carpet. He now has had a good look at this squad and hopefully can see where the problems lie. And as we always say, we now just need to hope that having brought him in, we're going to do what we probably haven't done as well as we should have done uh, and back him in the summer and then see what we can do next season. James, going into the game, Palace had lost their last seven league outings. Is there a little bit of annoyance that Dr Tottenham was on call to be paged once again? Yeah, I guess guess you could say that we were all expecting it. Um, A bit of Dr Tottenham. Uh, came into play. Uh, we've seen it a few times this season when when teams are in an awful run of form. We can kind of 
expect it from them to, to pick up a, a little bit of form against Tottenham. Um, saw it against Sheffield, uh, had an absolutely awful form since the lockdown and, and then come up against us and, and start by playing the best football they've played all season. And then Palace again, um, on an absolutely dreadful form. But as, as Tottenham fans, I think we've come to expect it a little bit that that teams pick themselves up when they come to play us. And, you know, maybe it was just bad timing. They they had to pick themselves up and start playing playing well at some point. But, you know, it's just a shame that it happens to be against us. And, you know, you'd think that even if they are playing well, that we'd have the quality in the squad to, to, to be able to... I guess at the end of the day, we, we managed to get it over the line anyway. So um, so I guess that's that's the main thing. Holly, with that said, obviously a slight disappointment not to extend the run in terms of wins. Was there a sense of over-negativity once going in front? Obviously Tottenham had every right to do so and that's Mourinho's call. But with Palace being as bad as they were, was that really necessary at the same time? Yeah, I would have thought we would have pushed on a bit. Obviously I was a bit surprised that we scored so early on sort of thing. I thought it would have taken at least maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, even in, towards the end of the first half. But yeah, we just kind of stepped off the gas. But then, like you say, with Jose Mourinho, he's got that goal in front. All we really needed was a draw or a win and the hope that Chelsea could do the business against Wolves. And luckily for us, they did. I think maybe because going into the break half time, they could have that chat with everyone in the uh, changing rooms and say, look, Chelsea are currently winning 2-0. We just need to hold our shape and we'll get the job done. So... Yeah, it was annoying that we stepped off the gas, but like like we've all said, like we did what we needed to do. So, Mike, obviously with Wolves losing, it means we've leapfrogged them to go to six in the table. I believe we're playing in Europe this season. I can't work out the mental gymnastics behind it, but I think we're in it. So, no idea when or where that campaign starts, but if we're in it, are we going to win it? Yeah, well, I've been looking at, um, is it Gdansk, where the final is next year? Yep. The, st- the stadium looks like a tasty little stadium, so I might be looking at flights already. Ah. Um, not to be not to be typically um, over optimistic, but Jose Mourinho's been in the competition twice and he's won it twice. So I think I think it's, it's written in the stars. Well, exactly. By that method alone, you're thinking, why not? I mean, I don't know about who's favourites for the tournament, Cole, but some fans are bemoaning the fact we're in it now. European football is still European football, whether you like the Europa League or not. Do we have to be careful as supporters not to be getting above our station, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's getting above their station. You know, I think at the moment what we're all disappointed about is, you know, we'd finally got to the Champions League and, you know, we, we'd made ourselves regulars there. Um, and again, I think, you know, you're looking at it all in perspectives, aren't we? You know, when we first got in the Champions League, it's great. You're thinking, right, yeah, you know, we've made it brilliant. But we've progressed as a club and having progressed the way we have, we have set standards now and we've got new standards and, you know, we've kind of been told that what we've got will lead to better things. So I don't think, and given the squad that we've got or, you know, what it looks like on paper, I don't think we're wrong in sitting there saying we probably should be better than the Europa League and we should be disappointed because, you know, we've been regular Champions League side. You know, we just had the final um, and I think the worry was that we were all kind of sitting here thinking, oh, you know, with the investment that we've had over the last couple of years, we are in danger. You know, we could be in danger of missing out if it goes wrong. And I think, you know, now that fear has been realised, 
I think you're right to be disappointed. I don't think anyone's turning their nose up at the Europa League um, because I think we'd all agree that once we're in it now, you'd sit there and go, well, yeah, you know, I'd like to see us go on and win it. I think, you know, we can use the competition to our advantage, especially in the early stages of bringing some young players on. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that we should be disappointed we haven't made the Champions League again. So, James, of course, uh, that sort of not being in the top four, getting to the Europa League was not the primary objective this season. When you look at where Mourinho took over, 14th in the table, getting to where we finished, has he earned some credit in the bank? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head by saying some credit. Um, I think, I think you know, all this form table, Mourinho is a miracle worker, is a little bit over the top because we haven't been fantastic since, since he since he took over. I haven't seen a massive change. Um, obviously, we've changed formations, uh, but we we always had that that quality in the squad that you thought we'd be able to 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 get the points eventually. Um, I, it's it's one of them, mate, because obviously we've only we've only made up like a three point gap. Um, in that time, and I think a lot of teams around us have have, have kind of gone off the boil a little bit. Um, that said, you know the squad needed a kick up the arse, and and that's what Jose provided coming into it, coming into it. So cr- credit on one hand, um, but also I think we're, it's important that we all stay a little bit grounded. And uh, you know, just a word on the Europa League, just 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 because we're in it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to do well in it. You know, we've been in this p- situation before. Um, it, it's just obviously Jose is going to approach it in a way that none of our managers have before in that he's, he's probably going to play our best team in it as much as possible but it's it's you know hopefully you can keep everyone fit which is something we've never been able to do before as well so it's going to be a difficult task for him to win that uh, but, but obviously I, I like the way he's going to approach it um, but you know in terms of Jose and the way we've, we've, we've finished the season I'm you know I think, I think I'm still not blown away it's going to it's going to take a little bit more to, to win me over. Um, I'd even probably go as far to say as I think Pochettino probably would have done a similar job had had he not been sacked when he was. Because as, as I say, I think we've got the players in in the team to 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 have been able to to scrape it in the way that we did. Um, but you know, as I say, yeah, good good kick up the backside from from Jose and uh, and we we got there in the end. But nothing like the uh, worthy of the scenes that we saw at the end of the game. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. I mean, we'll never know what Poch would have done. That would be the impossible question to answer. But Holly, here's a question for you to answer. A lot has been made of this form guide since sample of matches. It's all very well, but are people reading too much into that? Because really, it hasn't achieved anything massively in terms of getting into the top four. You know, it's not been the ultimate push up the table. So yes, it's good. But really, without doing exactly the same at the start of next season and for the length of it, it doesn't mean too much either. No, it is true, but I'd like to just highlight on this whole Poch thing. I think you've also got to look at it, where the players motivated to play for him. Like, Toby didn't want to sign a contract, and Toby's been a massive impact in this team since he's come in, since, obviously, he signed that contract because Jose's come in. So I think, like you said, that's an impossible question to answer. But I also agree with the fact that, yes, Jose's done a good deal in the sense that he's managed to find that motivation and managed to try and grind out points that I thought, we weren't necessarily going to do. Obviously, that Sheffield game was a, I thought a one-off. So I'm going to try and ignore that. But I think for me, I'm I'm nearly over the line with Jose. But I think, like you said, if we get some players in in the summer that are his signings, and we get rid of the players like that are Poch's signings or Poch, the players that we thought that Poch would go far with, I think 
then's the time to properly judge. Obviously, the first couple of games into next season, we can then finally sit down and see, right, is this the man for the job? Is this the man for the business? And Mike, talking of next season, is it as far as trophy or bust? Not necessarily if we don't get one, he gets sacked. But with this downturn that the club has gone through, it's almost sort of ready to see a massive propulsion to what we've really been looking for for years. So is it really a huge pivotal season for Tottenham and Mourinho next time around? Um, I believe it is. Um, you know, Mourinho's least successful stint in management was, was with Man United where he won a, a Europa League and a Carabao Cup. And I think, is, is our Tottenham team better than that Manchester United team? Arguably, yes. Um, are we going to win the Premier League next year? <laughs> Probably not. Would I take a Carabao Cup, an FA Cup or a Europa League? I'd, I'd rip your hand off for any one of those three and I'd probably give you both arms for, for a combination of those. So I think I think we can, we, can, we can crack on and win something under Mourinho. I think he just got that mentality, that elite level footballers just buy into for whatever reason. So I think if anybody's going to do it, I think it would be Mourinho. Well, this is it. I mean, if you're going into the Europa League, that's exactly the man you want behind you to try and plan out some form of success. Whether that makes a rod for his own back and adds more pressure, probably it does. But when you're earning £15 million a year, that sort of pressure you should be eating for breakfast anyway. So, Cole, when we sort of look into that pressure, there was a release of it on the touchline yesterday at full time. Slightly drawn a sort of difference of opinions. I'll get one from everyone, but I'll take your take first. What did you make of it all? Yeah, for me, Dan, I, you know, um, I'm going to come probably come across as a bit Roy Keenish here um, and say, for, you know, it, it wasn't for me. Um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of an eye roll, you know, if you could see me right now. Um, I think just for me, it was purely the fact that, you know, given, you know, the way the season's gone, um, in my opinion, you know, massively underachieved and it's been a bit of a season of massive turmoil and, and some quite, you know, some quite bad lows for me I didn't think you know it was the kind of end to a season where you know you're high-fiving on the bench and hugging as a as a club to sort of you know in, incline that you've done something to be really proud of um, for me it's just one of them that you know you kind of pack up um, regroup you know put something right you know you kind of get your squad together and work on what you need to work on and you know behind the scenes you know you start letting it be known that 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 wasn't good enough and and things need to improve so yeah what what for me that whole high-fiving and everything um I, I didn't really enjoy it and, and didn't think you know we've had the kind of season where you know at the end you should be doing that but I I get the opinion where some people are saying that for Jose you know, he might be wanting to try and change a mentality. They probably feel that, you know, managing to get that Europa League place might have been something that was a target for them and a goal. And they want to kind of celebrate that um, and maybe try to see if that works on the squad. But just for me, it wasn't for me. James, anything to add on that? No, I have to agree. Um, I, I, I thought, like, from where we came from to, to where we are now, there's... It just doesn't seem like there's much to celebrate. Um, I I know I said I said about Mourinho and and, and how it, I, I think he's he seeing Tottenham as, as a personal thing rather than a Tottenham thing. Um, uh, and but you know I, that's that's just my feelings about Jose. I think he's here to to make himself you know the he make him in the headlines again, right? 
fab. Um, but you know, it, the celebrations, it, it was a bit, a bit over the top because you're thinking, look, boys, we, we've look where we were last season, uh, and look where we are now. Yes, you've 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 rescued a, a, a saving grace in in European football. Um, but we shouldn't be celebrating. And I think the thing that summed it up was was Harry Kane's tweet after the game. Um, you know, he, he tweeted saying that he, he's gutted and, and he, you know, he knows where we should be. Um, and and he's not happy about where we are. But, you know, we are where we are. And, and you know, that's a different story. But um, but I think I think we, we should be going with a different mentality that this is this isn't good. Uh, this is a this is a failure of a season. Uh, and next season needs to be better uh, rather than celebrating where we're actually at now. Holly, have you got a different take to that? Yeah, I'm going to come at a slightly different angle. Like, I agree with what everyone said, but for me, like like you said, Jose is the type of guy to think it's all about him. And to be fair, in a lot of his pref, uh, press interviews, he is kind of like that. But I think it's just more relief. Like To look where we were, yes, last year in the UCL, to then lose our manager for then Jose to come in and he's kind of managed to save Titanic, sort of. like We were sinking bad and he's he's managed to, OK, not fully rebuild the Titanic, but it's it's getting there. Obviously, we all thought that, we all knew UCL was gone and we all kind of thought in the back of our heads that Europa was was gone and all, but he's he's managed to savour it. So I think, yes, maybe it was slightly an overreaction, but in football and in all sport, you kind of let adrenaline take over. So I think he was just relieved that he's managed to save us and get us into Europe. And Mike, what's your viewpoint? Yeah, again, me... So, yeah, again, me being forever positive, I think, um, you know, I think does the transfer budget rely on Europa League football? Could that be a reason for the celebration? Um, you know, there's a, there's a young crop of, or not, not necessarily young, but an inexperienced crop of football coaches working for Mourinho. And am I right in thinking that during or the beginning of lockdown, he made them all move in with him to work on their philosophy and their coaching and, how they were going to, how they were going to cope with Project Restart. So maybe that's a, that again is a massive relief for them. That was part of their plan. Um, does it allow for a bigger rotation next year? Are we likely to see Assessignon get his get his um, get his confidence back? Um, Juan Foyth might get might get a game or two. Andon Bele might thrive and come into the player that we've all seen glimpses of that he's actually not shown any promise of of sustaining. You know, so I think. Europa League football for us is massive, and and if we've got the the world's biggest narcissist on the on the sideline celebrating that the fact that we got it, then then so be it. I think everything we say about Jose is correct. He is he, he is sort of a, he does love himself, and it is all about him. But if that gets us a, a, a lovely bit of silverware, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I guess in a sense that in terms of that celebration, it's reaching an objective. It's not the ultimate objective. It's not what we wanted at the start of the season, but from a personal win for him, that is a relief. And like you say, Mike, that point about them all banding together and planning how they're going to get out of Project Restart and what success they'll find, for them, that is that achievement. So that can only be sort of deemed as their positive. Where it comes across as small time or amateur, perhaps, you know, if Arsenal did that, we'd be the first team or first set of fans to be giving them pelters for that. So there is a little bit of like, oh, why is this happening? But I think I can understand at the same time, why that outpouring of emotion took place. So, Cole, in a week where Eric Dyer signed a new contract, did you think he offered much yesterday after being reinstalled to the starting lineup? 
Um, I, I felt it was a harsh decision, to be honest, before the game, you know, to drop Sanchez, given the way that we played in the last few games. You know, we kind of played well against Arsenal at the back. Um, you know, we kept Leicester very quiet. And, you know, when you consider they've topped the top goal scorer in the league, Vardy's pace, I really thought we could be in trouble in that game. And, you know, as a defensive unit, we kind of kept them relatively quiet. So I felt it was a harsh on Sanchez to miss out there because I thought he'd been looking good alongside Toby. Dyer came in and, you know, I don't think he had a spectacular game. I don't think he had a necessarily bad game. I think there's some questions to be asked around the equaliser and the fact that he loses his man at the corner um, so easily. And obviously that that's pivotal. Um, but again, you know, I don't think he, you know, it wasn't like he suddenly came in and you were like, oh, my God, we look shockingly poor now. Or, oh, my God, we look massively better with Dyer back there. Um, I, I didn't really, I don't think you'd really say you notice a massive change, to be honest. But I think what it does show you is clearly that obviously Jose, I think, has made his mind up on what he thinks his favourite pair is going to be for, at centre-half next season. And he obviously wants to see it in action as much as possible. So I think we are seeing that when the season starts next year, unless there's some kind of like massive signing at centre-back, which I don't see because we, yeah, it's not a position we really need to worry about with limited funds, then I think you've just seen your, your centre-back pairing. My only fear in that pairing going forward for next season is pace. Um, and, and whether or not we get caught out by that against certain teams. But, yeah, nothing spectacular, but nothing too bad either. James, I guess another concern, if they are the partnership, which looks like that will be the case, there's no left-footed self-defender. You know, when you had Jan and Toby, they complemented each other perfectly. Two right-sided defenders is always a little bit iffy, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world, though. Um, I, I, maybe it's just me who's never thought it before, but it hasn't seemed to be a problem for us in the past. Um, you know, you think of our, our, all our great centre-back pair, pair. You say great, we haven't had that many great <laughs> ones, but <laughs> the first one that sprung to mind was, was Dawson and King, but I'm not going to call that great. But, you know, we've never had, not well, not recently had had a, a need for it. To me, I don't think you need have a need for it either. Um I think the way the way Dyer and and, and all of our old play, I think that could that could be good for each other. Eric seems to have, have lost that little bit of weight, which means he's a bit lighter on his feet, uh, and, and he's playing with a bit of confidence because of how Mourinho has played him. You know, he sees him as a really important player, as as do I. Um, plus, you know, if if Toby can continue play the playing the way he's playing, then it, you know it shouldn't matter because he's he's good enough to 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 shepherd Dyer, you know, in, in a certain way. Um, I, I, as I say, I, I think I have to agree with Carl in that centre-back isn't going to be somewhere I can see us strengthening. Um, and, I, and I think that the, the two of them would, would benefit the, the world of good by having a good defensive midfielder in front of them. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, so as, as, well as, as well as two full-backs that, uh, that, are, that are playing well, okay, I'd say competent full-backs. So uh, you know, I, I think it's it's not really going to be an issue that that Dyer can't can't use his left foot as well as some others. Um, you know, he's still got a left foot at the end of the day, and, and I think he, he's he's got a, a good future for us at centre back. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make a difference if you ask me, mate. Well, Holly, in terms of signing contracts, it's been a busy week. Eric Dyer, of course, but also Jafet Tanganga. So he's put pen to paper on a new deal. 
It does seem that new arrivals will be in the distance. That's the way Tottenham operate anyway. But with two more players committing their futures to the club, that can only be construed as a positive. Yeah, exactly. I'm really excited, especially with Tanganga. I mean, there's been rumours as well that Ledley King is going to be on the coaching staff, supposedly. And I think with him possibly coaching Tanganga, I just think it'll be an amazing thing. Like I said, we, when we saw him against Liverpool, OK, he, he man-marked Mane so well. And I think that's just the highlight of his character as well. He just holds himself really nice. So I think it's just a great attribute and a great player to have in the club. And to cement it as well is even better. So, Mike, in terms of the case for the defence, Jan Vertonghen didn't get the minutes in terms of a send-off. I guess being away from home, there's also no fans at the ground. There's not that obvious clamour for that kind of reception. Do you think he deserves some form of on-pitch you know, send-off or was yesterday not really the time for sentiment? Again, you saw how Jose, how, uh, how Jose celebrated when he realised that we'd, we'd secured a... Uh, Europa, Europa League spot um, when you are as decorated as he is do you really have room to be sentimental if you'd have brought on the tongue for the last 10-15 minutes and he made a mistake or cost us a goal or something like that we we slipped into seventh in the scum when the you know are we are, are, who 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 are we forgiving are we forgiving Jan who's walking away after giving us great eight years are we going to forgive um, Jose because we're the ones who said he deserved that he deserved some sort of some farewell? Um, I just think if, in modern football is so cutthroat that there's no room for for sentimentality, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I think you're right. There's just too much riding on that. It would have been a nice sort of send off, but like you say, the the fallout could have been massive, and I don't think it would have been taken the risk or worth that risk at that time. So, Cole. If we stay on the topic of Vertonghen, the club put out a nice video on Monday in terms of like an interview and a bit of a, a send-off of all in terms of players and all that kind of stuff, like saying nice words. So let's all say some nice words about Jan. I want to get your favourite Jan moment from those eight years at the club. Uh, favourite Jan moment? I think leaning on the tunnel against Liverpool, that's um, up there. Uh, no, no, I think, you know, one of the favourites he loved for Jan was, you know... Um, I think he he was a really class finish at Swansea. Um, one game that just showed the quality he had just going forward and also as a defender. And then I think, you know, that last season at Wembley with that goal against Dortmund, um, you know, and, and, you know, the typical, and you know, well-known Superman celebration now. I'd just been a class player for us. Um, and obviously just wish him all the best wherever he goes. Um, and I'm sure... Once we can get some supporters back in that ground, I'm pretty sure we'll see him get a half-time um, welcome and welcome back to the club so that he can get a well-deserved you know, round of applause and song from the supporters because he's been, he's been fantastic. James, what's your favourite Yam moment? Uh, so I've got a couple, you know, obviously that Dortmund game springs to mind straight away. Um, however, I think that tackle on Aubameyang when he, you know, when he missed that penalty against yeah. uh, with us against uh, at Wembley, uh, it's still, you know, every time you watch it back, you've no idea how he does it. How has he managed, managed to get that up and over the bar? Um, and also, it, it obviously proved to be such a pivotal, uh, pivotal game for us in the end. Um, and, and you know, just on a, on a personal note, that that game at Wolves this year, um, I, I was there in that away end. Uh, I, had, I hadn't been in an away end for, for for years. I found it so hard to get tickets, and 
I, that was the my first experience of an away in for for years, and and you know that was absolutely fantastic just to see that that last minute winner from Jan and and the scenes in the away end were were amazing. So um, that that's going to stick with me for a long time. Um, Jan Jan Vertonghen's yeah, he's an absolute. A modern legend for Tottenham. Obviously, legend does get thrown away. is a, a bit of a throwaway comment these days. But uh, you know, amazing bloke. And uh, hopefully, as Carl says, hopefully we can we can see him back at the lane where he can get a proper ovation and the proper send off that he uh, that he deserves. Yeah, funny you should mention the Wolves game because I know a lot of football has to happen from that point. But if you look at purely points, that goal was probably or actually was the pivotal point swing between us finishing sixth and seventh for against Wolves so I think Jan gets some credit for that if nothing else Holly what's your favourite Jan moment? It would have to be that Dortmund game it was just insane yeah. like he managed to score that goal and I think also just for me obviously um, when I was watching Toby and Jan growing up um, when I was small like just the way his presence with Toby as well I mean there's got to be Toby in there as well but just the way that they both operate like they knew each other like the back of the hand it was just phenomenal to see them bossing that defence and Mike, what have you got for me? All of the uh, the major key points have been mentioned. The volley against Dortmund um, is 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 a, is a phenomenal finish. I think the, the best part about that is you see him sort of sort of just crossing the halfway line. You can see that he believes the ball's going to come. The ball gets played out wide, and you can see him at the back post with his hand in the air, almost like Shearer esque, screaming for the ball. And then when it gets put into that sort of back post area and he comes in with the volley I just think it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant finish um, we can't let him get away without mentioning him pulling down that Villa player's pants bastard that was my um, one <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant moment that uh, you know when you always get them cheesy uh, worst 100 moment compilations at Christmas and they're always on they seem to be on every single year and you always see the same sort of um, same sort of videos I, I think this one's going to go down as one of the, the funniest moments in uh, in the Premier League for sure. Oh, it's a fantastic moment. I still don't know really if that's a foul or not. Like, is that a penalty? I have no idea. Obviously, I think <laughs> I think he got away with it. I wouldn't advocate doing that every week, but yes, it's a hilarious moment. Obviously, he's done far greater things during his time at Tottenham, but for me, that is my reciting memory of the Belgian. But thank you for everything you've done and best of luck in your next move, wherever it may be. Right, going back to the game yesterday, Cole, Musa Sissoko. Had one of his more, shall we say, indifferent showings as of late. Is that perhaps down to fatigue because he's played so much football in such a short space of time? I mean, he's been solid, not spectacular. Is that literally just sort of the emptying of the tank on the final day? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the, the last couple of games, I don't think he's looked himself. You know, I think, you know, when he first joined... He had a horror show a couple of seasons, but then suddenly he kind of got his game together and he was looking like a really solid player and actually started becoming one of the first names on the team sheet. But the last couple of games, he's looked a little bit tired and leggy. Um, he's gone back to that player whose first touch is, you know, his second touch then becomes a tackle because the first touch is so bad. Um, and, you know, quite rightly yesterday, you could have hauled, it, hauled him off um, at half time. But then there was a few, I think, who were looking like that. You know, Human Son, I think, had probably one of the worst games I've seen him have as well. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, you still got a lot of hope that he's going to be a key player next season for us. Um, he has just been coming back from injury as well. So I think we've got to give him that. But I certainly just hope that we're not going to see him start to regress 
um, to the player he was when he first came because that that was a player that you certainly would have been been looking to get out the exit door as quick as possible. This is going to be our next question for James. So we look at solid rather than spectacular, but next season we need more of the latter, really, don't we? So how much of a claim will Sissoko have to first-team football? Is he an important part of the Mourinho master plan or is his position now up for grabs? It uh, has to be up for grabs, mate. Um, you know, seeing that performance yesterday, it just it just really highlighted how how poor he is technically as a, as a footballer. Um, playing in this in this Mourinho system, obviously his his pace is is a big factor. Um, but if if it's going to take him so long to to get the ball out of his feet and then and then the pass at the end of it, if it, if it isn't going to be good enough, then it, we're just not going to be able to to, to work and. Watching that performance yesterday really, really confused me because I thought, well, how how has he managed to get this far as a as a as a footballer when he when he really is so poor on the ball and it, and it's all down to his physicality. He you know he's he's a great athlete and he can play twice a week and he is going to body man in midfield and he is a great strong physical presence presence. But when he's got the ball at his feet and he you can see him looking looking to pick a pass and. I think he also affects the way that the other players on the pitch play around him as well because they know that he's obviously not going to be able to thread a pass and so it means that they don't make the same runs and they it's almost like they're play it's almost like they're playing with a child and whenever he gets the ball everyone <laughs> everyone kind of goes oh why well, I have to come short for him because because he hasn't got the the range of passing so you know I'm not going to slander him so oh, no, I've just called him a child but I'm not going to slander him too much because um, he's 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 been a great servant for the club over the last few years, and and he, he's definitely filled a gap, and he has got significantly better than he was. But it's just his actual ability as a football player, which means that it, it, he just can't be starting in that position next season. You know, even even when Jose was playing him on the wing to right towards the start of when he came in, you just. Yes, he can get up and down that flank, but he, you don't trust him on the ball to to pick a cross or pick a pass. So, uh, he he probably has a has a place in the squad, especially going into the Europa League. Um, but in terms of a starting centre midfielder, um, I I just can't see it happening. And we, we're going to need to find someone who can who can hit a pass and and set us up on those counter attacks that that have been so devastating under Jose. Yeah, I think with Sissoko as a ceiling of talent I think he's reached that height and I think now he's almost starting to degenerate away from it and I don't think you're going to get much better if at all so now he's sort of thinking okay well he's had that iffy start raised his game slightly and we've all sort of taken to learn to love him a little bit more than we did when he first joined the club but I don't think you're sort of almost hitting the end of the road now and then you sort of think well actually how much can he offer us as you say James still a handy hand to have but I don't think he's really knocking down the door in terms of first team football that said, Holly, Lo Celso, he has limitations, but again, if we go back to that ceiling of talent, there's still a lot more to come, and hopefully next season. So he got an assist yesterday, with season two around the corner, what do you think a genuine target for him is in terms of goals and or assists? What do you think? I reckon, obviously, just like to point out where he played yesterday as well, in that camp position, means that he was able to find that assist because he was further up the pitch, so I think that needs to be his position going forward as well, and I think... Just to give a bit of like a bit of rivalry towards Deli Ali, because I think Deli Ali will thrive better knowing that there's someone there trying to grab his position. So I think in terms of assists and goals, I think he's got to, I don't know, at least hit maybe, I don't know, 
higher than like seven assists, if not more. That would be great, at least seven. And maybe goals to get back like maybe six or seven as well, like have a balanced thing. But like I said, like we need to stop having this idea that he's he's a, he's a centre mid or he's likes to come in from deep. Because I think yesterday it kind of proved that if you play him in that high position, he, he will find that killer pass. And it was evident yesterday, the other day, sorry. Yes, Holly, excellent point. Fully agree. It's all about where you play him in midfield. Should he be played further forward week in, week out next season? I think the likes of sort of seven goals, seven assists in the league is a very fair target. Then we can start sort of critiquing him a bit more fairly. If he does that, we can start to see that's why we signed him last summer. So there's a player waiting to be unlocked. We're seeing more of it, but hopefully there's even more to come next time around. Right, now, if you could sum up this season, I think shambles would be a fair word. This episode has also been a bit shambolic because my internet has been up and down like you wouldn't believe. Now, unfortunately, that means we've had to sort of cut the episode and curve it after about 35 minutes. So you don't get the full set this week. And there was loads of other talking points, such as Lucas Moura. Is that the benchmark of his talents for Tottenham now? You know, are we seeing his, dare I say, peak? Is that it now? Um, or is there still more to come? Hopefully, but you never quite know. And what role will he play next season? Harry Kane, match of the day selling him. That's great. But I guess with every summer, or actually, no, should we say with every opening transfer window, that comes around again. Match of the ambitions, a transfer rumour. We've been here before, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, Ledley King, that was mentioned in the show, but I think we should also reference the fact that if that happens, that's going to be a great mentoring for the likes of Tanganga, Sanchez, even, even Eric Dyer. Also, is that maybe, cynically, a ploy from Mourinho and the club to boost the link at the moment between club and supporters. It's a bit tenuous, a bit tight, isn't it? So maybe getting King on board, does that perhaps, you know, build a better relationship, just get things going again? I think there's more to it, but the cynic would also could point to that as well. With King coming back into the fold, could Robbie Keane be introduced as a striking forward? I know you can't really teach Harry Kane too much more, but you can certainly teach more to Troy Parrott, maybe even Hyunmin Song. So there's that as well. High points of the season, I think for me, Manchester City, I'm sorry we couldn't get everyone else's, but I don't think there'll be a million miles apart because there wasn't too many in terms of great high points. We won't go into the low points, I don't want to finish on a low note. And really, I just need to wrap up this season. Now, unfortunately, the rest of the guests, they can't say goodbye, so I'll say goodbye for them. But more importantly, I want to say thank you to all of the listeners because we've collected over 18,000 of you this season and we didn't get going to October. Now, I know it's been a nightmare season in terms of on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, we've had God knows what pandemic-wise, it's been awful, but, you know, we've liked to give you something week in, week out, broadband pending, of course, but, you know, we've liked to give you as much as we can. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. We're going to keep at it. We're going to be back in September, so like I said, I just want to thank everyone and anyone who's taken the time to listen to it. If you don't like it, that's absolutely fine, that's your right, but I hope people do like it, and they at least appreciate the time we put into it week in, week out. So, on behalf of James, Cole, for the season, thank you so much. On behalf of Holly and Mike for tonight, again, thank you so much. We'll be back in September. I'll get a better broadband connection. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.